Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable once again inviting you to to gather around the Word of God with us on our weekly Bible study. Let's talk about Jesus today. We want to bring you the core of Sunday morning, not the Sunday morning alive that we put up online uh, as a uh, from my office, but the actual morning service, the core message that God gave us Sunday morning as we gathered together right here in Tampa. Uh, we want to bring you the core of that message. Of course, we can't, uh, for time constraints and other reasons, bring you that full uh, message and that full uh, praise and worship service, but we can bring you the core scriptures and the core of that message that we might hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today, our day, the last days that we are living in. So if you're a Christian, please stay tuned. If you're not a Christian, this is very, very relevant to you. Be our special guest today and uh, and join us as we delve into, as we move into this holiday season. For Christians, this is a holy day season because this is the the season that is commemorated and celebrated around the world among Christians in particular they're celebrating the birth of Jesus uh, because we know where that birth led him it led him uh, ultimately to the cross to pay our sin debt but he could have never went to the cross if he hadn't come to the manger. So we're so glad today to declare a message to you of hope. And as a matter of fact, that is the the teaching today, the title of the teaching. Uh, if you were in our service live uh, here in Tampa Sunday morning, we're going to just take our time and walk through the core of what you heard and, and reiterate it. And if you haven't heard this message, then we pray it will impact you in such a way that God can use you and use me to bring the good news of the gospel to a world that is, as that great song of old said, Dottie Rambo wrote it, the world needs some good news bad. Hence the name of our teaching, Hope for a Hopeless World. Hope for a Hopeless World. Let's look at where we were today in the scripture and look at where every person that isn't saved, that is outside the kingdom of God, where they are today. And that's why the message of hope that is given through the gospel, which literally gospel means good news. There's an Old Testament scripture that says good news from a far country is like a cool drink of water uh, to someone that is in a desert place uh, dying of thirst. I believe that is the condition of the world today, particularly in these last days. I believe that's the reason that people are looking to alcohol and drugs and all kinds of things to try to satisfy this dearth, this thirst uh, that is within them. And today, I believe that we as Christians have the answer, but we need to share that answer through our life, our behavior, our attitude, the atmosphere, the aura over us of hope. Because if we have hope, 
we can give that hope to the world about us. And we can tell them why we have it. So Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12 speaks of where we were, where we are, and where the world about us that we interact with every day are today. It says that at that time, ye were without Christ, and therefore strangers from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Having no hope and without God in the world. You see, friend, without Christ, we have no covenant to claim. The covenant was between Abraham and Israel. There was no covenant for the Gentiles to claim. And without Jesus Christ grafting us into the true vine, bringing us in uh, that that to that place where there's neither Jew nor Greek nor bond nor free nor male nor female, we become one in Jesus. Without Christ, we have no covenant to claim, no identification with God's covenant people, no promise, therefore, to claim, alienated from God, enemies of God without hope, helpless to save ourselves, literally alone and abandoned in the world. And God addressed that. He didn't want us to stay that way. That's why He sent His Son. That's why for God so loved that He sent His Son to be our substitute on the cross and become our Savior as a result of paying our sin debt. This is the condition of the lost. And number one, I want to tell you this about the lost. They were hopelessly blind. Hopelessly blind. Look at Second Corinthians 4 and verse 4. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. See, friend, the battle for the soul is a spiritual battle. I want to say that again, the battle for the soul. We're not just trying to convince them intellectually uh, to to just change their mind. Uh, We're praying that God, by and through the mighty Holy Spirit, will open their eyes and let them see their lost condition that they might simultaneously see in that hopelessly lost condition the hope that is given us and granted us because God has addressed this need in our life by giving us Jesus. Jesus has addressed that need in our life by giving His life in our stead, in our behalf, suffering and dying upon the cross. The battle for the soul is a spiritual battle and it can only be won with spiritual weapons. We do not war after the flesh. Even though we walk after the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. I think this is a problem today as I see it, as I understand it. Many churches don't understand the power and the need of intercessory prayer for the lost. That number one, that God would open the eyes of the blind so they can see. Why? Because The God of this world has blinded their mind. Well, if they can't see, and what we see, they can't, they can't 
perceive what we perceive when we present the gospel, unless the Holy Spirit is at work to open their blinded eyes so they could see the glory and the the wonderful privilege and power and, and hope that we have when we receive Christ as our Savior. Then we are trying to intellectually convince blind people that that blue is blue and red is red and gray. those those colors have no value to a blind person all they see is black and darkness oh but when those eyes come open then they can see clearly it doesn't mean that everyone will immediately get saved but they will they will see their their opportunity they will see the glory of the gospel they will see the need for a savior and they will see the savior jesus christ remember peter when when jesus asked peter who do men say that i am and and peter's a fisherman he's not a theologian he's not a priest or a scribe he doesn't hold a seat in the sanhedrin he's just an everyday blue collar guy fishing for a living and but he has a revelation his eyes have come open god the holy spirit has worked in him <laughs> who do men say that i am and peter said well they got all kinds of ideas some say you're elijah some uh, re, you know reincarnated some say you are uh you are uh, this and some say you are that and and all of these speculations are out there about jesus but he asked peter directly well who do you say that i am without skipping a beat without hedging or or <laughs> he didn't even take a you know a little moment to think about it thou art the christ he said it emphatically he said it with full revelation and knowledge thou art the christ the son of the living god you're the messiah you're the anointed one and yeah, and Jesus said, yes, and upon this rock, you see this revelation of who he is and who he was. He literally said to him, flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you, but my father. Revelation is not just about convincing the mind intellectually, but spiritually seeing God, the Holy Spirit, open eyes that could not see, ears that could not hear. Jesus actually said it, having eyes that see not and ears that hear not. How can you reach someone with eyes that can't see, ears that can't hear? I mean, he's not talking about physical deafness. He's not talking about physical blindness. He's talking about spiritual blindness. Oh, but when ears come open and eyes come open, it all changes. Flesh and blood did not reveal this but my Father. And on this rock I'll build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Praise God. We need the revelation of God. We need the realization of true conviction by the Holy Spirit. The target is not the mind because the mind has been spiritually blinded and it takes a spiritual anointing to open those eyes and a work of the Holy Spirit. Listen, Second Corinthians ten 
3, 4, and 5. Though we walk after the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. This battle for souls is can't be won with all of our programs, all of our, 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 all of our ideas of how to get it done, how to reach people. We, we use entertainment as a hook sometimes instead of worship where the Holy Ghost can manifest the presence of God. I don't want to get deep into that, but I just want to say that the average service on Sunday morning doesn't take on a spiritual aura like that and it needs to for the sake of that person walking in to the church that they won't just be applauding the the uh the antics and the abilities of the of the praise team or the or the wonderful harmony of the choir they will sense the presence of God in that building he inhabits the praises of his people. When we get our worship right, the rest of it is going to fall into place. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians, once again, 10 and 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Here's where the strongholds are that must come down. Since Satan has blinded the minds of men, that is where the initial initial liberation must take place from this blindness. Listen, casting down imaginations and every high thing or thought, therefore, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, that pushback to the gospel, that pushback to the very existence of God is the reason for atheism today. No excuse. God would not allow that. And that's clear in Scripture. It's the pushback against it that keeps people from knowing. And we need to pray that these strongholds will be broken. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. If you change your mind about your sinful condition, change your mind about coming to Christ as your Savior. The moment you change your mind, God will not force you to do that. But when you decide to do it, then it releases you. No power in hell, no devil, no demon, not Satan himself can keep you from coming to Christ if your eyes are open and you make that choice. You see, Jesus was anointed to open the eyes of the blind, not just the physically blind, but the spiritually blind. According to Ephesians 6, we wrestle with the rulers of the darkness of this world. And the armor given to us by God in Ephesians 6 is to overpower powers and principalities, particularly when we pray. It is in that intercession that this battle is won or this battle for the soul is lost. So there's hope for the children of darkness over whom the prince of darkness reigns because Jesus came into our sin-darkened world to open the eyes of the blind, to set the captive free. Let's read it. Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. This is not just monetarily, physically 
poor. It's talking about those that are poor in spirit, those that 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 are uh, desperately needy uh, for the hope and the help that He came to give us, who could not possibly save ourselves. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and receiving and recovering of sight to the blind. The world without God is not only hopelessly blind, they're also without God hopelessly bound. 1 John five nineteen speaks of us and them. It says, And we know, as Christians therefore you see, that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. It's not just talking about the sins that they are committing that are so glaringly evident today. Unashamedly sinful. It, it, it is wicked, and they are wicked, but there's a reason behind it. Literally, in one translation, it says, The whole world lieth in the grip of the evil one. Another says, Under Satan's power and control. If you want to wonder why that some mother stabs to death as this month has already happened, stabs to death two beautiful little children. You want to know why that a man kills his family and kills himself. There's all kinds of psychological reasons and sociological contributors to that. Yes, but... There is a deeper reason that the psychologist and the sociologist and the criminologist cannot ever figure out unless we go to the Word of God and we see what it's saying to us. The devil is real. His influence is real. That's why he's called the God with a little g, the God of this world. But there is hope for those bound ones and those slaves to sin and those blind ones. Jesus came to set the captives free. The Bible literally says, Who the Son, speaking of Christ, has set free is free indeed. This is real freedom. Amen. We have liberty today because a liberator has come, an anointed and appointed to set the captive free. When you come to Christ, sin no longer reigns because Satan no longer rules. I want to emphasize that. There's a touch of God when I say that today. And I read it to you because I wrote it down. Sin no longer reigns because Satan no longer rules. You see, you can be translated out of the powers of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. Look at Acts 10.38. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And that word oppressed means subject to harsh and authoritarian treatment. I'll tell you, the devil is a hard task master. 
serving Satan isn't a, what what is promised by him, that you're free to do what you want, indulge in every sinful practice, satisfy every every whim of, of your of your mind and every desire of your flesh. No, this is bondage. Now he controls, he rules. That's what addiction does. At first, it's, it's, it's indulging the flesh. It's finding every possible way to find pleasure and it ends up being an, an, un, un, absolutely unbearable pressure on us to get another fix, to get another drink, to do whatever is necessary, to go from living in a nice home with a family to living alone and sick and and abandoned in a cardboard box. It'll take you that far. It can. It doesn't everyone, but it can. There's there's an executive right now wearing an Armani suit that is going to come home to a beautiful home and family but he can't make it through the day without that drink he can't make it through the night without that drink he's he will get the dt's the delirium tremors he will get the shakes he's hopelessly addicted to alcohol unless there's an intervention some people with the aid of some agency, uh, can get free of that and have the willpower. But ultimately, you have to, one of the tenets of Alcoholic Anonymous, you have to believe in a power beyond yourself. Pick your God. That's the flaw in it. <laughs> Instead of Jesus, it just says pick a God, any God. Pick a power beyond yourself and believe in that power to help you. You see, without something beyond ourselves, someone beyond Beyond ourself, we are helpless, and therefore we are hopeless. The someone is Jesus Christ. He is the one that has come to set the captive free. And I'm telling you, He can set you free. He will set you free. If you want to be free, come to Christ, the great liberator. Hallelujah. You see, the devil's stronghold is not strong enough to hold out against him. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against us upon this rock, this revelation of Christ as the anointed one. Amen. God says, and Christ says, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It doesn't mean that that we're in inside those gates. He's already brought us out of the powers of darkness. It means when we assail those gates in intercession for our loved ones, our family members, the lost in this world, when we pray that the, and re, and through that prayer of faith release the holy spirit to do his unique work that only he can do opening the eyes of the spiritually blind spiritually revealing jesus as the sovereign and savior of the world and drawing men and women to him first showing us our sin and our lost condition our hopeless condition and then pointing to jesus for the hope that we should and could and i pray we will embrace hallelujah i've embraced that hope and that hope is a living thing within me we're not like others as christians that have no hope and so we can share our hope with all those who are in such desperate need because greater is he 
that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. Our world is ripe for revival. And I'll tell you why that I preach that, that I'm preaching that because I believe that. It's because there is a desperate need today for hope that nothing and no one in this fallen world can give. Not true hope. Oh, the politicians can talk a big line, but there is no Republican, no Democrat that can give hope because a man or a woman, no matter in how influential and powerful their position may be, they cannot change the hearts of men and women, boys and girls. They cannot promise that I've got the answer and just give me a year in office. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't vote conservative as Christians. How could we vote otherwise and pray that good people will get in office? But this world and this nation cannot and will be will not be changed unless there is a move of the Spirit of God. No person can do that. No lawmaker can institute laws that changes the heart of man. And the heart has to be changed. The scriptures clear the heart of man because of the fall and the wickedness that's been passed generation to generation. Born with that heart, the heart of man is desperately wicked and deceitful. Who can know it? desperately wicked and deceitful. Who can know it? God knows it. And God is the one through Christ and His sacrifice at the cross that can change us, that can literally fulfill the prophecy of the new covenant that He would take out the heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. Amen. But our world is without God and without hope. And we constantly hear even 12-year-olds, 10-year-olds are going through depression. And and just like adults, if it's bleeding down, they see and they hear uh, the a- anxiousness uh, of, of their parents, of the newscasters, of, of adults around them. And it's catching to them. They're not carefree. They are filled with anxiety. And the, the sociologist would call it, and the psychiatrist, anticipatory anxiety. Anticipatory anxiety. What's coming upon the world? What's going to happen next? What school is going to get children going to get killed? What family is going to get wiped out by a dad? What children are going to get slain by their own mother? How can they help but feel this sense of hopelessness, this bleak future? Jesus said, sign of the end times when they ask him the question. Men's hearts, one of those signs, men's hearts failing them, becoming hopeless, feeling helpless, you see, failing them for fear and looking at the things which are coming upon the earth. This is the prelude to the great tribulation that is to come. But already it's building, the fear and the foreboding is building into hearts and building into lives. We, as Christians, we have the message of hope. And we can live a life that represents hope, 
that people see us not in that state of depression under the oppression of the devil, but see us in the what the Bible calls the glorious liberty of the sons of God. And one of those great freedoms is freedom from the fear that is stalking and capturing the minds and hearts of people all over the world. When they see our peace and they see our hope, they're going to listen to what we say. If we pray and intercede and work with the Holy Spirit, amen, and depend upon the Holy Spirit and live by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. Today in our culture, we constantly hear about extreme weather conditions. We hear about global warming and the consequences of it. The future is bleak, dark. We hear about famine all over the world. We hear about pestilence and new diseases that man can't conquer and handle. We hear about the threat of nuclear war and its aftermath. And it's constant. Earthquakes anywhere, anytime. Mass murders. No safe places. Not a school, not a church, not a home. No safe places anymore. The crime and the lawlessness is on the news day after day. And it just continues consistently. The breakdown of families leaving children with an uncertain future. Friend, we who know Jesus, we have the good news. It's time to shine the light and shatter the darkness. There's hope for the hopeless because there's help for the helpless. God has not abandoned us. God has anointed Jesus and Jesus has anointed us. Praise God. As the Father sent me. How did the Father send him? How he anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, and that's how he sent him. So send I you. Praise God. Listen to First Peter 3 in verse 15. We get this right. We're going to find opportunity after opportunity to share the gospel and see it have impact in so many lives today. I want to be about my father's business. I don't want to get into a tangent uh, and start preaching and teaching on something that is not relevant to that central mission that we have, that mandate from God to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That doesn't mean everyone is going to go to another country or even another state, but it means we're going to go into our world our sphere of influence. That lady, a man at the dry cleaners that you drop your clothes off. Listen, if you go there, that person is your world, your target to show and share the good news of Jesus to. That person in that Circle K, that 7-Eleven, that convenience store, that grocery store, that cashier, whoever it is, that person in your office, that person out there in that construction site, that plumber, that electrician. Listen, this is our world today. And God loves every person in this fall world 
enough to give His Son. And through the gift of His Son and Jesus, the gift of His life on the cross, that we may not only have hope, but we can share that hope. Amen. Because it will be evident. It will be clear to those around us. They'll wonder, how can you be so positive in such a negative circumstance and situation as our world today? So it's addressed here in First Peter 3.15. It says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready, ready to give an answer to every man who asks you for a reason of the hope that is in you. <laughs> Amen. Be ready to give an answer. We can share Jesus. We can share the gospel. We can be bearers of the good news. Praise God. Be ready to give an answer to every man for the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That means do it in a way that they will understand that the reason you're telling them about their need for a Savior is because you love them and God loves them. And we realize that's where we were. Where they are is where we were before someone prayed for us, before someone shared the gospel with us, before the Holy Spirit came and drew us to Jesus. Hallelujah. Today I pray that you will pray with me that eyes will come open, that ears will pop open, that they will hear and heed the gospel, that we might see a great ingathering of souls before the door of the ark closes and the judgments fall upon this world. Jesus is coming soon, but there's a work to be done, and we're told to work while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. We have a window of opportunity coming through the backside of this pestilence where everything was turned upside down. God, I believe God wants to use this worldwide crisis as an opportunity for us to let our light shine by letting the hope that's in us be seen by the way we behave, by what we believe, by the atmosphere around our life. Oh, when people see that you have hope, they'll wonder, where did you get it? Where did that come from? And they will eventually ask, what is the reason? Where do you get this? And you can share Jesus. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a pastor, evangelist. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You just have to know Jesus and share what He's done for you. I love that great song as we close. Today it is no secret what God can do. What He's done for others, He'll do for you. With arms wide open, He'll pardon you. It is no secret what God can do. It begins with the chimes of time ring out the news another day is through. Someone slipped and fell. Was that someone you? I'm going to tell you. The situation is helpless. But it's not hopeless.
it's not hopeless. The God of hope fill you with hope in believing today. Believe in God. Believe on Christ as your Savior. Come to Jesus repenting of your sin and receive Him as your Savior. And you will receive help for your helplessness and immediately hope for your hopelessness. And you can have the hope of salvation. You can have the hope of life eternal. You can have the hope of deliverance from drugs and alcohol addiction. You can have the hope of having a restoration of all that has been lost and stolen in your life now and a realization of eternally living with God. Oh, what a gospel. Oh, what a Savior today. And Christian, it's time to let your light shine. Let your hope rise up within you and live that hope and let others see it and they'll come. Not everyone, but someone's going to come across your path and want to hear your testimony in Jesus' name.